Good morning. I'll be reading from the book of John today, chapter 17, verses 1 through 5. John 17, 1 through 5. After Jesus said these things, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the time has come. Give glory to your Son so that the Son can give glory to you. You gave the Son power over all people so that he could give eternal life to all those you have given him. And this is eternal life, that people can know you, the only true God, and that they can know Jesus Christ, the one you sent. I finished the work you gave to me to do. I brought you glory on earth. And now, Father, give me glory with you. Give me the glory I've had with you before the world was made. Good morning. So good to look out and see you today. Thank you for choosing to be here. And we're glad that you have chosen among all places you could be today to be here with us. Uh, we realize we have a, a, a group of our teenagers and uh, adults, I think somewhere uh, around 130. I laugh. I asked Blaine yesterday how many we have. We said about. I said, listen, you've got to make sure you get kids there and back. Because they never count how many you get back. It's the one you leave behind. So I hope they have a more definite count when they get back tonight. But I am thankful for them. I'm thankful for, for Philip. This congregation is so blessed uh, with him and Laura and their work. And, and we pray that they will do great things on this retreat. Let's uh, go to God in prayer as we begin. Our Heavenly Father, you are great and mighty and powerful. And we pray that you will be with our teens. On this retreat, we pray that some of them will have great dreams because you are a great God of what they can do through you and through your power. God, we ask you to be with us this morning. Help us to listen to your word. Help us to, to plug into what you have said. And Lord, help us to live it out. In Christ, when we pray, amen. So we come together each time to, uh, to talk about the greatness of God. When, when we worship, that is what we do. We talk about how great God is and we pray. And I will tell you that the, 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 the amount we pray, the way we pray, what we pray for is directly tied to how big we believe our God is. The, the way we pray and what we're willing to pray for is directly tied to how big our God is. And, and I think we should pray big prayers and watch God do the impossible. Why? Because we have a big God. This morning, I, if I want to ask you a question. It's a pretty personal question. I want to ask you a question this week. Have you prayed? See, that, that is a personal question to ask someone that do they pray uh, when they are not here together. If I were to ask you, do you sing songs when you're not here? Do you, do, do you study God's word? Those are all important questions. But I'm going to tell you, if I ask you, if you pray when you're not here, that is a very personal question. Can I get more personal? Who and what have you prayed for this week? I don't know about you, but to me, that's a pretty private list. Those are the things that are, that are close to my heart. Those are the things that, that for me, I, I want to see a, a difference made. I want to see God acting out and God acting in that way to make a difference. And, and I'm going to share a couple things I, I've prayed for this week. I, I've definitely prayed for my incredible wife, my little boy. I pray that he will not be an alarm clock and let us know every hour on the hour and wake us up. 
Because he lets us know when it's one, two, three, four, five, six, and seven. He's great at that. He, he was consistent last night. And he can do it without opening his eyes. It's pretty amazing. Um, pray that he grows up to know God. Thank God for my wife. I, I thank God for my in-laws who have been able to be here and they're traveling back. I prayed that their engine would seize up and they couldn't leave for a while, but that wasn't answered, okay? They, they're on their way back to Michigan. This week I've prayed for a little boy named Aiden Green. Aiden is from Spring Hill. When he was, uh, his family found out that they were pregnant and it wasn't long and went back for some tests and found out he had CD8s, that is, Basically where uh, the, it's a hernia that does not allow your organs to stay where they're supposed to be. That's about as medical as I can get. And the doctor suggested that, they, that he uh, be aborted. That was their plan. Well, he was not, and he has done amazing well. This is him going down the slide 100 miles an hour this week. But through his life, he will have to have different surgeries. He had to have a surgery on his lungs. And this week, uh, uh, he had a... The surgery went well. The recovery has not gone so well. I want to continue praying for him, but I've prayed for him uh, every day this week knowing the surgery was coming. I've prayed this week for the 109 congregation, as I know many of you have, and I've prayed this week for this congregation. I knew that this morning would, would not be an easy morning because people are looking around seeing who's here and, and who is not, but for us to be focused on the mission and us to know that God... Uh, has blessed us with a lot of people going to 109. That's what we needed to happen so both places can grow. I've prayed for our strength and, and, and those things through that. I've prayed for the teen retreat that, again, that the great things will be done there. And we could go on. And if I were to say, hey, I'd like to see your prayer journal, that is a very, very private thing. But what if today I were to tell you who and what we pray for shows what is closest to our heart? Who and what we pray for shows what is closest to our heart. I know that, that many, uh, the, the, this, the, that some, many is an overstatement, that some, what they pray for most when they're not here is food. They pray before their meals. They're sort of the habitual prayer things. And can I tell you, some of the prayers for food are, are one of the funniest things I've ever heard. I, I shouldn't say that, but I remember being at a dessert fellowship, all dessert, and heard somebody pray that that be for the nourishment of our bodies. If we don't believe that we're praying for miracles to happen, we don't need to believe that prayer. <laughs> you know, you know I, I laugh. I, I think about that. But again, truly what we pray for shows what is closest to our heart. Jesus himself was a man of prayer. Jesus was someone who's prayed when we look in, in Luke 5, 16. It says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. What's lonely places mean he's by himself. He's going off. Why? Because it is very personal. He's not praying to show off for anybody. He's not praying like that. He is praying very personal, very close prayers for him. If we go through his life, we'll see that. We'll see that. I love this. Matthew 19, 13. Then children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. People wanted Jesus to hold their children and, and to pray over them. The disciples didn't get this. They said they, re, they rebuked him, but Jesus said, let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for such belongs the kingdom of heaven. Jesus prayed over children. Jesus prayed before he chose the 12. He spent a night in prayer before he, he chooses the 12 that will spend their lives with him, this three-hour uh, 
if you will, master's course where they walk hand in hand, apprenticeship with Jesus. He prayed before that. Jesus prayed before he raised Lazarus from the grave. That is what he did. And Jesus prayed in the garden. With his heart so heavy, he prayed as sweat drops of blood coming out. He prayed with that. Why? He prayed that if there were any other way that would not involve him dying on a cross and being resurrected, that, that, would, that he would prefer that. But he also says every time, thy will be done. What is incredible is we get to go through Scripture and see what was close to Jesus' heart. We get to see what was there and what made a difference to him. And he prayed so differently. It says when Jesus was praying in a certain place after he's finished, his disciples said to him, "What, Lord, teach us to pray. There was something so different about his prayer life. The disciples said, Lord, will you teach us this? I find it interesting they never said, Lord, teach us to preach. They would spend the rest of their life preaching. Lord, teach us to pray. There's, there's power in God, and we access that power through prayer. If we were to ask what's on Jesus' prayer list, I want to tell you today that you're on his prayer list. You're on his prayer list 2,000 years later, realize he prayed for you then. John chapter 17 records this prayer. It, it, it records an entire prayer from Jesus and, and what he is praying for at that time. We had the first several verses read just a moment ago. I want us to look, because I think you're going to see yourself in, in this, and let's look at what Jesus prayed for. He said, I am praying for them. Verse 10, John 17, verse 10. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and all yours are mine. And I am glorified in them, and I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. Do you see that? Lord, do what? Keep those who are followers, those who are disciples. Keep them in your name and help them to be one. That's a big thing when to think of unity throughout the the world when it comes to those who are following Christ because that's really not what we see a lot of. If I were to ask you how many different uh, religious groups this morning uh, are represented in this city or throughout this world, the number would be pretty staggering. There's one group that says there's about 30,000 different um, denominations, if you will. Uh, many think that number is inflated, but they will say that they're, they can't count them. It's funny that somebody did count and they say that number's inflated and you give them a number, they're like, we're not sure. So somewhere between a few hundred and a few thousand anyway. What I see is this is evidently not what Jesus intended. He said, I want them to be one, unified together. Unified in what? Unified in mission. And it is devastating when you see a church fall apart. And sometimes you will see a church that, that, that not plants but splits. A church that fights. A church that, that used to exist that doesn't exist anymore. Those are things that are heartbreaking because we realize that that is not what Jesus intended for his church. He wanted people who believed in him to be one even as he and the Father are one. See, Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says it like this. There is one body, 
One spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. See, there's seven ones right there. And then we turn around and realize there's all kinds of division. This is, somebody was trying to map out when you start in Acts chapter 2 and go forward, all the different divisions and church names. And this is not complete. <laughs> But realize that's not what he intended. He said, I want my people, the people who follow me, to be united in purpose, to be united in doctrine, and to walk one direction with one another. Verse 13 says this. He said, but now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Let me ask you this. When you hear the word Christian, is joy the first thing that comes to mind? Probably not. It'd be nice if it were. Now, if I were to name some Christians, you'd be like, that's one of the most joyful people I've ever met. But if I just say the word Christian, usually joy doesn't come up. This is sort of a more accurate picture many times. People think of Christians. Some of y'all have tried to get family pictures and realized the joy that is involved there. I will say this. This world is not easy. I think that's one of the reasons Jesus prayed for us. There are things that we will struggle through in this world. We will struggle through loss. We will lose family members. We will lose relationships. We will lose friendships. And they will break our heart. We will see people walk away from God and people who will never accept Christ. And those things are heartbreaking. We will see, as I showed you before, a picture of a little boy who's in an ICU at a children's hospital in Cincinnati. That's where Aiden is right now. That's where the specialists are. And those things bring tears. Realize there are tears that will be shed. And guess what? Jesus cried when he was here on earth. Joyful doesn't mean that we won't go through stuff. Some people think the word Christian, they think angry. If you don't believe me, look at some people who claim to be Christians' Facebook posts. They're just mean and hateful. That is not evangelism. <laughs> That's not what it is. And, and some people, I love this. The preacher wants us to smile at church. You know how I hate trying new things, okay? <laughs> if God's people are supposed to be people who attract others to him, I'm going to tell you, we better be showing joy. Because nobody wants to be a part of a group that is always angry and always fighting and is always walking around like there's no hope. Christ, people have hope. We, we should be the most hopeful people on earth. Does that mean we walk around like a bunch of giggling people when bad things happen? No. It means that we know that there's something greater, and through those tears, we still hold on to God. Joy is not the absence of suffering, but it is the presence of God, knowing that he is with us, and he has prayed for us, and he has prayed for our mission. Let's, look, I'm going to tell you, there's a, there's a sweet lady who was part of the Calvert City Church for years. And, and uh, I sit there and think about her quite a bit, Miss Linda Ray. If you've ever eaten at Patty's Restaurant, it was there in Grand Rivers, Kentucky, she owned a little uh, antique shop across the road from there. Uh, she, I don't know if she ever sold anything. She kept it open to talk to people. She loved talking to people and being joyful. Now, if you knew her life story, you would realize that her mother died when she was little, and her dad remarried somebody, 
and the woman he remarried didn't want any of his children, so the children just got gave, given away to other family members, her and a sister and a brother. Were raised by different people. She didn't know how old she was. No, they, she, she didn't know. She, you'd ask her, she, when last, before she passed away, I'm like, how old are you? She goes, 90 or 91, we can't remember. So when it was time to start school, said so my aunt just took me to, the school, and they said, how old is she? They said, well, we think she's five. Okay, they just went ahead and started, so we really don't know. She has been through so much, and there is not a happier person in my life that I think I've ever met than Miss Linda. Miss Linda was sit out on that uh, uh, bench in front of uh, her store that looked at Patty's and watched tour buses come through. You know, tour buses come through and drop people off to go in and eat there. And one day there was a man sitting beside her on the bench and she talked to him and she said, boy, you can tell those people on that bus are Christian people. He said, how can you tell that? He said, well, she said, well, they got off the bus with a $10 bill and the Ten Commandments and hadn't broke any of them. Because they, they all just wanted to look at her store and nobody wanted to spend any money. Well, of course, the guy, the, the guy that was sitting by her, he nearly, nearly fell on the floor laughing because he was their preacher and bus driver. I can't tell you how many people she brought to church at Calvert City. How many people came in and said, I, I was at Miss Patty's this week, eight, I was on vacation and came to, to worship here. Why? Because her joy, her joy is what made a difference. That, that should be us. We should be that joyful people. When we're struggling and going through life, like I said, jo the most joyful people I know are not the people who have been through the least. They are truly the people who usually been through the most. And they be believe, as the psalmist says, that I will lift up my eyes to the what? To the hills from where my help comes. Because my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. We realize where our help comes from. We should be joyful. Next, he said in verse 14, he said, I've given them your word, and the word world has hated them. Because they are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. The prayer is not that we be separated from the world. The prayer is that we are kept from the evil one and that we make a difference in this world. I think that's one of the most difficult things, to, to be in the world but not of it. Because can I tell you something? The world likes to rub off on you. It is so easy to carry that into our lives and make that who we are, but to realize that we are here to make a difference. To make a difference. I like being in a boat. Not for boat riding. I'm, I, I have a single purpose when I'm in a boat. Well, two purposes. One, don't drown. Second purpose, cast fish. That's it. I don't want to joy ride up and down the lake. I want to. I, I, I want to do this. And the thing is, the problem comes: a water, a, a boat was meant to sit in water. The problem is when water starts getting in the boat. See, when I when I think about this, realizing we can make a difference in this world, but we have to be willing to do what to make contact with this world. That's why we're called to be salt and light. Jesus in Sermon on the Mount, do what? You're the salt of the world. You are the light of the world, and, and it will make a difference. I don't know if anybody in here likes boiled eggs. I, I kind of do. But can I tell you, if you just try to eat it like this, it's missing something. Y'all know that, right? What does it need? Salt. 
Can I tell you, you can have all the salt shaker in the world, every salt shaker in the world there. You can be eating a, 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 a deviled egg, but, but deviled egg's a whole different, whole different story. I'll cover it later. A boiled egg, okay? A boiled egg beside the Dead Sea. But until salt comes in contact with that egg, it will not change the taste. We are to be salt. And to do that, we must come in contact, not to be uh, of the world, but to be in the world and to make a difference. And he said, what will set my people apart? He says, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me in the world, I have sent them into the world. What's going to set God's people apart from everybody else is we have his word and we have truth. Do we use that to beat people up? No. Do we use that to hit people over the head? No, we do not. But we have it so that what? We can show people the truth. So people can confront the lies in their own life as they do what? As they open up God's Word and allow it to guide them in their life, it makes a difference. It is what sets us apart. And realize we have a mission that what he said, as I have, if you sent me, I have sent them. We talked about this in depth last week. We have God's Word. And what should we be on a mission together? Verse 20 says this, I do not ask for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, my Father, are in me, and I in you, they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. He's praying for us right here. Do you see it? He begins praying for the original 12. And now he's saying, Lord, I, I, God, I, I want to pray for everybody who will believe because they believed. And realize that their unity, their, their, their working together, their, their life and love and, and care inside of your church, that will be what does what? Makes a difference in this world. He said, the glory that you have given me, I've given them, that they may also be one, even as we are one, in them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know. Do you see that? He says it over and over again, that we would be one. As we said before, when you ask many people about religion, they will say, wow, there's just so many different ones. It's overwhelming to, to look and, and to try to, to, to pick that out. If you were to type in the word church in Mount Juliet today on a search engine, there would be list and list and list and list. Let me go back 20 years. If you were to open the yellow pages, some people here who are under certain ages said, what are those? Under churches, you would see different one, different one, different one, different one. There was a, a religious group that split in one place that I lived, and, and they kept the same name, except one of them put on there, we're the original so-and-so. You know, the, the same group had split, and, and, I, and I think it was Mount Moriah or something. We are the, you had the Mount Moriah Church and the original Mount Moriah Church. I just I wanted one of them to be the extra crispy one. Sorry, I, too much fried chicken in my life, I know, you know. And I just sit there and remember going, wow, what does that say to the world? What does that say to the world? 
when we as God's people struggle, realizing we're doing what? We should be pulling in the same direction. This is a neat family. This family decided to go all the way across the country in a covered wagon with a team of mules. The only way they're going to make it is if all those mules pulled in the same direction. They pull in different directions, it doesn't work. If one of them stops and the other ones want to keep going, it doesn't work. All of them have to be pulling in the, in the same direction. Not that I'm calling you a bunch of mules, okay? But what would happen when we all pull in the same direction? It is amazing what can happen when we pull that way. I think that's why when we realize that we want to stay united and we want to stay together, I find it interesting in Ephesians chapter 4 that Paul starts out the, the, uh, uh, the chapter, realize he's talking to a congregation. He says this, I therefore, a prisoner uh, for the Lord, urge you to walk in a, way, uh, in a worthy manner the calling to which you've been called with all humility and gentleness and patience and bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. He encourages them to do that. At the very end of the chapter, he comes back and says, Oh, yeah, by the way, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God and Christ forgave you. What's he saying? We as Christians have to remember to still be kind and forgive one another. Because some days we're going to want to pull in different directions. We're going to have to do what? Get back on the same track, but show kindness. See, why does unity matter? Unity matters... He said, because the world will believe that you sent me when God's people are unified. One of the things people are looking for is, hey, what happens when we are unified? Can I see a group of God's people that are, that, that, that are joyful together, that are united together, that have one direction, that they may be perfectly one? As we do this, what? The people will know that you sent me And that my love exists through them. And love them even as you love me. See, what do we want when people look at, at, at this body of Christ here? We want people to see God here. We want people to see that, that God is with his people here. We want people to see that, that we love God. And when people see that, we, we want them to believe, we want them to obey God, we want them to serve God, we want them to see through our example, and it's a big deal. Jesus prayed for his people to have unity, to have joy, to have mission, to have protection on that mission, to have truth and unity. And this is a weird thing because when Jesus prays for us to do something, we have this weird opportunity to answer his prayer. The whole part about being having free will... <laughs> He's praying there, and it's recorded so that we can act on that. The church will be as unified as we choose to be unified individually. There will be as much joy in the church as I choose to have joy in my life. There will be as much love in the church as I choose to have love in my life and love for others. And to see that, we get a chance to do this. When I think of Jesus' prayer, I realize he prayed for our faith to increase. Are we trusting in him or trusting in ourselves? He prayed for us to have unity or are we being divisive? He prayed for our growth. Are we making any attempts at it? He prayed for us to be on a mission 
Are you on that mission or are you sitting on the sidelines? Realize who and what we pray for reveals what is close to our heart. Jesus showed in this prayer that you and I are close to his heart. We see that Jesus loves you. This week, I want to encourage you to pray. Big prayers that we have a, a big God, but also to look at your life and say, how can I be on the mission? How can I help to show unity and love so that people can see Jesus clearly through my life? Today, you may not be a Christian. We would love for you to make that decision today and choose to, by faith, to be baptized for mission of your sins. It also may be today that you would like for us to pray for you and with you. We would love to do that. If we can help you in this prayer, if we can help you in any way, would you come now while we stand and while we sing?